To listen to memory card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. I think long-term listeners of Memory Card will know that there's this ongoing series of episodes where I talk about just like movement in video games. Just It's just something that I'm really interested in. And just, um, I really wanted to share that with the Memory Card listeners. So I think this is like the third part or something like that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I believe uh, that that is correct. Okay. So yeah, uh, today we'll be talking once again about moving our bodies <laughs> <laughs> in video games. Oh, okay. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 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 just for for exercise or anything like that, but to get the high score. Right, right. I want to start off things by asking you if you had a particularly memorable experience in PE or gym class. Yeah, I I definitely do, and I'm not sure if I've ever brought this one up. Uh, I definitely don't think I've ever talked about it out loud. I I may have tweeted about it in the past, but when I was in middle school, we had this weird upstairs room that was just for like lifting weights but it it wasn't even like a real room it was almost just like a hallway that had two sets of stairs on either end mm-hmm. um I'm just i'm setting the uh you know <laughs> setting the scene <laughs> yeah so it was basically like free weights and then there were some exercise bikes and maybe like a treadmill like nothing too intense but we were up there one day for pe because we had to go yeah and whatever lift weights and do jumping jacks whatever it was and um, we had to wear these uh, uniforms when we were in PE, mm-hmm. blue shorts and uh, just shirts that said the name of our school on them, like phys ed or whatever. And there was this idiot kid in my class <laughs> who was just kind of always like messing with stuff that he shouldn't be. And he was attempting to like pop a wheelie on one of the exercise bikes, which, you know, oh geez. don't move. I mean, they, they move, parts of them move, but they're not supposed to actually pop wheelies and um he was like going like so hardcore like rocking back and forth that the entire bike fell over with him like on it slash underneath it oh my god yeah and i know it sounds like really bad he was totally fine it did like land on him but the worst part was that as it fell the handlebar caught my gym shorts and pulled them completely down (laughs) to the ground and i was like just standing there basically like he had pantsed me unintentionally. Oh, no. But the thing was, everyone was so concerned that he had, like, just crushed himself to death. <laughs> yeah. That they didn't notice that you're nude. <laughs> yeah. Like, as far as I know, nobody actually saw it. Like, maybe a friend or two did, but no one, like, brought it up. Maybe just because they were my friends. <laughs> but it was, like, totally in the back of my mind, like, super traumatic. But I was just, like, standing there for at least, you know, like, a second, maybe two seconds in my underwear. Oh, my lovely tidy whiteies, yeah, in gym class. At least, at least it was you still had your underwear on. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine if it had caught those two? Oh my gosh, yeah, would have lived it down. So, it's like one of those memories that I'm just like laying in bed trying to go to sleep. Yeah, (laughs) my brain is like subconsciously like, remember that time your pants got pulled down by an exercise bike? (laughs) That's just like a weird like uh. Thing that's like something that you'd see in like a TV show or a movie or something like that. That you just be like, oh, that never happens. I know. <laughs> like, what are the odds? Like, uh, oh lord. What about you, Push? Is there uh, anything memorable that you remember, or maybe a game that you really liked playing? I really did like actually. I I really enjoyed uh, playing dodgeball mm-hmm. just because like 
I always thought it was so much fun trying to avoid the balls, you know, dodge the balls. <laughs> and yeah. then um, as well as like, you know, throw them at people, you know, um, relieve some of that, that internal anger that I have. Right. I feel like there was a point, I can't remember when it was, maybe middle school or high school, where it, it, there was like a, a change in the perception of dodgeball. And it was, and it was like, dodgeball is bad now. And they had to change the name of it. Mm. So we didn't play dodgeball anymore in gym class. We played, I think we called it like bombardment or something. But it was just the exact same game. They just changed the name, so it didn't seem as bad. I think dodgeball, like the issue with dodgeball, is that some sometimes the balls are too hard, and people really do like right all like excessive force in it, so it does hurt people. Well, and you, I mean, people get singled out. I guess, yeah, if, you know, like once again, kind of like a movie trope of like, let's get that nerd, like get him, yeah. <laughs> so break his glasses. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, people would gang up on you if you were one of the last people, but. I yeah. never felt like anyone was going out of their way to uh, antagonize mm -hmm. anybody else. I can't remember if there was like a moment like when we were like ganging up on someone or like I was ganged up on uh, in dodgeball. So I think that's why it was kind of fun. But if if definitely if if there was like an instance of, you know, someone being bullied or something, that wouldn't be kosher. No. Here at Memory Card, we don't endorse bullying. No. Physical, cyber, no bullying whatsoever. Yeah. And in, in this existence or the other, don't bully people. Unless, unless they pop a wheelie on an exercise bike and they knock off your pants. <laughs>
played Wii Sports? Do you have any particularly fond memories of it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember we camped out for a Wii, despite me working at GameStop when it came out. I had one unlocked, but my friend Scott did not. And uh, so we camped out at Walmart Mm -hmm. and uh, came back, you know, around midnight, 1 a.m. and uh, got to work playing some Wii tennis. And I think we did some baseball. And uh, more recently, I've uh, busted out the Wii in my classroom. Oh, really? And on Fridays, we uh, the the kids have like tennis tournaments, and we play Mario Kart and uh, things like that. So it, it's it's coming back. Mm-hmm. It's coming back into popularity, <laughs> at least in my life. It's coming back, baby. <laughs> That's right. We're bringing it back. So yeah, uh, Wii Sports was released in 2006 along with the Wii. It became like a huge thing, like when it was when it was first released. Like I remember it just being everywhere. Like people were like. Mm-hmm oh, if you play this game, you're going to be so slim. Like, <laughs> Also, like, old people are playing it, so, like, they can keep their bodies moving. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a miracle worker. Um, that's, like, the, the prevailing news take back in the day. And then, um, you know, there are some people who broke their screens playing right. Wii Tennis because they did not uh, put the strap on, or they didn't have the strap at first. Yeah, they didn't read the instructions or, uh, you know, there's that warning of the guy who's like swinging it wildly around. Like, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been uh, not paying attention when that popped up on the screen. Well, uh, Wii Sports was designed by Iguchi Katsuya, who um, also worked on the original Star Fox and Animal Crossing, uh, if, you, if you remember. Wow, interesting. Uh, he was the one that like kind of felt alienated when he moved to Tokyo, and so he kind of developed Animal Crossing out of this idea of making friends. Right. Iguchi was the director, and Keizo Ota, Takayuki Shimamura, and Yoshikazu Yamashita served as the directors for the individual sports experiences. Hmm. The Wii Sport history is actually tied directly to the controller itself, the Wii Remote, and during the prototype phase, Ota and his team, you know, this is before Katsuya came on, started making just mass amounts of prototypes for different versions of of the controller because they weren't sure what the controller was going to look like what kind of technology they needed right once the kind of the rod shaped controller was developed it kind of naturally lent itself to just being whacked around like motion sensor and so um ota kind of came up with the idea of the tennis game and originally it was just a you know bare bones prototype closer to the wii's launch uh miyamoto came in and he felt like it was necessary to right. kind of include a pack and title for the Wii in order to show show off its capabilities. Because, you know, this is going to be a whole new way to play. You know, they want to really sell um, not just gamers, but also game developers to develop for the Wii. So kind of like as a way to inspire both consumers and uh, producers, they decided to uh, create a pack and title. After that, uh, Iguchi was put in charge, and they decided to just really focus on the simple nature of it, because, you know, it was a pack entitled, so they weren't going to, like, invest a lot of money into, like, models, getting licensing deals, etc. So it was kept very, very simple, because if it was, like, a full game release, like, if it was, like, a, a natural, you know, Wii Tennis release, probably get, like, um, you know, the Tennis Association on board, they'd get licensing deal for the players and stuff like that. Right. But because of the pack-in nature of the title... They decided to go really, really simple. Now, was it always the me players who were going to be the stars, or was there ever any Nintendo characters attached? There was actually a time when they even um, had Mario in the game hmm. because, like, they weren't sure, like, you know, what direction to go in. But because of that need to keep it simple, 
also because there's like a couple of other developments um, going on at the same time, they decided to go with the Mies. The Mies were actually developed separately. The whole idea was like back in the day, Miyamoto had this idea of putting a Kokeshi version of players in games. Kokeshi is like the little Japanese dolls made of wooden. Uh, they have like a very round face and like a round body. Sometimes they have like really, um, they're really long, like the tr- traditional Kokeshi. They can be kind of like tall. Oh, okay. But they're very simple. They don't really have arms or legs. The modern Kokeshi, they, they sometimes have very simple arms and legs. But uh, back in the N64 days, they um, had this idea of putting players in games. Um, and that was like the Polygon Studio for the N64 DD. And like players could create like 3D models and then like, you know, apply them in like movies and graphics and, and, and also like games eventually. Oh, right. I kind of forgot about that one. So they had that idea back from the N64 days, and they were, they tried to do that, I think, again with, um, I think, the DS or something like that, um, but it didn't really, you know, catch on. So they had this me, me characters, and they're like, well, let's just use them because then players can kind of create their own characters. Like, you know, if they want, like, grandma, grandpa playing in tennis with them, they can just have, uh, you know, grandma, grandpa play, and it would kind of create that connection for people. Like, I remember when I first got uh, Wii Sports and I was playing it, like, the first thing I did was, like, make me's of, of myself, my friends, my family, celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah. Try and make Mario, even though he's not in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a me. That's right. Did you uh, make any any me's in particular? Do you remember any? Um, I feel like I, I definitely made one of myself and um, I made one of Hank Hill from King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the one that I always uh, gravitate towards. Like in any game where you can pick <laughs> a me character, that's the one I want to pick because it's just so ridiculous to see him in like any setting and doing anything relating mm-hmm. to like fighting or sports or, you know, anything outside of selling propane. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my go to um, when it comes to designing them. Even in Smash Bros. Ultimate. Mm hmm. Yep. I believe I have him as a as a gunner. <laughs> When I first got like the well, one of the other things I did when I first got the me channel was like try to break it, like try to like make the really weird faces and like mm-hmm. like make the proportions way big or way small. Yeah, just so that they would move them up and down. <laughs> it's like, oh god, what have I created? Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, during the um Wii's development, like Miyamoto had this idea that the kind of Wii would be the center of the living room. And it would be a way to connect families together in conjunction with, like, you know, the Me channel. And, and they also developed the uh, Wii's message board. If you uh, do you remember the Wii's message board, I think so. This was just something that was like internal, right? Yeah, it was like on the lower right hand cor- corner, I think. Yeah. And like you could check like your play records. You could see like if, you know, mom or dad got like a new high score. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. They were playing certain games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I would always check it to see like how many total hours I had put into a game. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on the day, the week, the month. So yeah, um, you know, Miyamoto and Iguchi, they really wanted like um the Wii Sports to kind of connect families and bring them together. So they kind of tied in this Mii channel and the uh Wii messaging board and also the simple nature of these sports games to kind of bring everyone together and to create a uh, really um enjoyable experience. Initially, they only had uh, three games. Do you want to guess which ones they were? Well, I'm going to guess that tennis was there. 
Yes, they have tennis. Okay, tennis is baseball. Yes. And golf. Oh, you're correct. Three for three. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of like, what are the three sports where you like swing things? Uh... <laughs> tennis racket, baseball bat, golf club. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, you know, do cricket or some other more obscure sport that involves swinging. But so bowling and boxing were added later. And the reason is because they felt like um, there, you know, there are some countries where baseball just isn't generally played a lot or, you know, people wouldn't be interested in golf. And then they, uh, you know, they would only have two games to play, basically. Mm -hmm. So in order to kind of like spruce up the package, they decided to add bowling and boxing just to give it a little bit more variety. I think with uh, boxing, they also want to show off the nunchuck. You know, they, they were kind of thinking like, what can we do with that? And I never felt like the boxing picked up the movement of the nunchuck very well no i don't think well, maybe so. that was me yeah i don't know it was it was definitely was not as good as the wii mote itself mm -hmm. i like the boxing game like for me like it was like tennis and boxing or like the best oh and bowling mm. yeah tennis, i was gonna say i was more of a tennis and bowling guy myself yeah i think i think those were the most popular the bowling just had like a lot of like small quirks that were really fun like um, you know, trying to get the ball to roll on the on the side, right, of the lane and everything like that. Right. Yeah. There was. There's a part where you can. They just keep adding more and more pins. Yeah. And you have to try and knock down as many as you can. I think it gets up to 100 pins in front of you, and there's a uh, wall on either side. Like you can bounce it off the wall if you want, but if you angle it just right, you can throw it on top of the wall. And it goes back and like you hear like a kuchunk and then all the pins fall down automatically. <laughs> and I remember like watching some, you know, YouTube video on that and just being like, what? I must learn how to do this. Impress all my friends. Initially, like they were going to do either bowling or boxing. But Iguchi was just like, hey, let's just add both. So they added both. <laughs> <laughs> how hard could it be? And then, uh, yeah, Wii Sports, um, as we know, like took off and was crazy successful. And later, they decided to release a sequel called uh, Wii Sports Resort. Mm -hmm. And that was the one that came with the Motion Plus attachment, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, they realized the Wii Remote isn't so accurate. You know what we can do? We could just add a little, you know, a little nubbin box into it mm -hmm. to make it more accurate. And it was actually pretty good. Yeah, I felt like it was fun. I, I think I played Wii Sports Resort maybe more than I played Wii Sports. Uh, I don't have too much experience with it, but I remember like being really impressed with the sword play. I, I was a big fan of the uh, basketball, the three-point contest, and I think Frisbee Golf was the other one. I don't know. It just it worked pretty well. The way you could twist the, the disc to make it like fly at certain angles, it was, it was pretty impressive. The Wii Sports Resort was released in 2009 with the Wii Motion Plus, and, um, you know, that gave players around uh, Woohoo Island, which became like kind of like a character itself. Yeah. And that showed up in Smash Brothers and um, the Pilot Wings for the 3DS, I think. That's right. It, it showed up in Wii Fit Plus, Pilot Rings, uh, Mario Kart 7 and 8, and uh, Smash Bros. Oh, wow. Wow. What an interesting episode. We're going to put things on pause for a moment to briefly explain how you can support Memory Card. If you enjoy our content, you can show your support by leaving positive reviews on your podcasting service of choice. Four or five stars and a few kind words go a long way when it comes to convincing others to give the show a listen. So please do so if you find the time. Spreading the word is also very helpful. 
If you know anyone who's interested in gaming or history, or both, you should consider sharing Memory Card with them. Every season we strive to reach a wider audience, and you can help. If you're feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com slash memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shoutouts, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. Hey Ben, what's our sticker for this season? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. This season we have a lovely illustration of Gumbo, the bull terrier, wearing a memory card sweatshirt, as drawn by artist Alice Carroll. And it's actually the dog of Jamatar who does the theme for our podcast. Whoa, that's like everything I love. I love dogs, I love sweatshirts, I love Jamatar. That's right, and it's a sticker. Whoa, I can stick it on my phone. <laughs> you can stick it wherever you want, Push. Well, thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's get back to the show. Well, the next game that I want to talk about is uh, actually Beat Saber. Hmm. We're getting away from Nintendo. Yeah, we're getting away from Nintendo. We're moving on to another kind of swinging. And this one is in virtual reality. Ooh. If you follow me on Twitter, you might know that I got a Quest 2 for Christmas. And the first game I immediately had to purchase was Beat Saber. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I got uh, the very first game. And um, I'm going to mess up all of these names because they're um, Czech names. So I'm very sorry. <laughs> the game was developed by Vladimir Reinkar and uh, Jan Yaski. Yaskai. I'm so I'm so sorry. Now you know how I feel when I pronounce Japanese names. <laughs> And um, eventually composer um, Jaroslav Beck, you know, joined later to kind of make the music for Beat Saber. But um, for those of you who don't know, Beat Saber is a game where um, using VR, you are swinging the controls around in kind of like um, to slice uh, blocks in tune of music. So it's like DDR, but VR. DDVR. Yeah, DDVR. What are the different movements that you have to do? It's just like vertical and horizontal slices mostly, right? Mostly. Uh, there are some like diagonal as well. Okay. Um, but there's also um, things that you have to avoid. Okay. And, and there's, you got both your arms going. Yeah, you got both your arms. Um, you got, you know, two sabers, two like lightsabers almost uh, in each of your hands. And you're just like swinging them like crazy um, and trying to avoid, you know, big huge blocks that come towards you and then slice through the ones that you can uh each hand has a certain color like uh there's either blue or red uh, by default and um you have to match the hand with the, the the block so you can't slice the blue block with the red saber have you had a chance to play it i've only had the chance to play it once i believe um at a friend's house and i loved it i mean i am not very deep into virtual reality all puns intended. Mm -hmm. um, but if I ever do get into it, I think that's going to be maybe my first uh, grab because I love rhythm games and uh, I feel like I have a decent sense of rhythm. So that would be a, a natural, natural game for me to be gravitated towards. I really do love rhythm games, but I'm also terrible at them. Like I have no <laughs> sense of rhythm. So it, it's, it's like the, the curse of my life. I feel like I have a shockingly good sense of rhythm for being a you know gangly white boy 
Well, um, Vladimir and Jan, they initially, you know, they were going to college, they were studying college things, and um, they were making games on, on their PC. But, um, you know, they got a job after university, and then they were like, you know what, screw this, we're going to go and make games. So they actually uh, formed a company called Hyperbolic Magnetism, and they were uh, developing games for the iOS and Android, because it was relatively new at the time. Their first title came out in uh, August 2010, and it's called Midnight HD. Midnight HD was a particle simulator with your finger, so you would just like move your finger around the screen and particles would change. It seems very simple at the uh, now, but at the time it was pretty new. So was there a way to actually like win the game, or did you just kind of mess with it? It's just kind of like a, a toy. Oh, okay. Like a, like a fidget spinner, almost. <laughs> so yeah and then they, uh, after that they released a game called escapology which is a puzzle game where uh, players had to move the background to move the balls around so every time that you swipe the the, the background would move and that would move the balls and you have to try to get them into the correct location on february 20th 2013 they also released uh, all my heart where the uh, player has to kill all the monsters before they reach the top of the screen it's like an endless game where you just like swiping and you know using different weapons and stuff to try to kill the monsters mm-hmm. uh after that they released uh, a game called lums lums is a game about vampires who stole the sun it's a platformer another game that they released was uh trapped and this was another puzzle game where you had to use like conveyor belts and colorful blocks to solve puzzles so y- you can kind of see like a trend here that they were focusing a lot on puzzle games but with all their titles they also had really good sound direction hmm and were all of those games that you just mentioned, uh, like mobile games for phones and such? Yeah, they're all mobile. Okay. So, some were iOS exclusive. After that, they would release a puzzle game called Perfect Paths. And that's just like another color match moving blocks around kind of game. In 2016, they released Chameleon Run, which is like an auto runner where uh, you could do short or long jumps. But you also had to like change colors in order to collect like certain collectibles like uh ika ruga and if you're the right color you could get that collectible it won the apple design award in 2016 and the czech game of the year and it actually it's, it's re-released on the switch right now oh really yeah so you can you can download on the switch and it has a couple of extra features and, and extra missions and stuff like that oh, very cool i don't even think i've ever heard of it and this was actually their last game before beat saber they became interested in VR and the kind of like the possibilities of that when Chameleon Run was developed, uh, released and developed. They were working on this on this game on the side, and um, it was first shown off on November fourth, two thousand sixteen, at the developers uh, conference in Prague, and it was like playable for like the you know a couple hundreds of people there. Didn't really gain any traction. Two thousand seventeen, the first trailer was actually uploaded to the internet, and. The trailer uh, kind of went viral. Uh, it had like 72,000 views. So, um, you know, people started to notice it. That's when um, the, the person I mentioned earlier, Joseph Beck, mm-hmm. he was at the time working at Blizzard and making like music for video game trailers and um, working on the StarCraft 2 soundtrack. He saw the trailer and basically ran over to the Czech Republic because <laughs> he, he's originally, uh, he's actually Czech himself. He, you know, immediately went over there and was like, please hire me to compose music for this game. And actually, they, they agreed. Like a year later, they published a video f- featuring one of his music tracks. That's awesome. Uh, calling it a soundtrack preview. 
and that was when the game actually really took off like it was shared on on twitter and it had like you know hundreds of thousands of retweets and likes and comments and everything like that Mm. everyone was just like you know put this game into my vein please (laughs) now is the majority of the soundtrack for beat saber at least the original like in-house music original music or is it tracks that already existed that are pulled it is original music by um Jean-Saul Beck. Okay. But later on they did have just like song like popular songs, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Later on after after it's released and everything, they would um integrate, you know, music from popular music uh musicians and stuff like that. Like the the rock band method. Yeah. After that viral success, they decided they would form a company called Beat Games and in 2018 uh, May 1st, Beat Saber was released on Early Access for PC, and then later on the PlayStation 4. It became the number one game on Steam, Wow! like, almost instantly. Like, it, it beat Portal 2. That's nuts. And it can only be played in VR, right? Or can it just be played normally? It can, it can only be played in VR. Man, that's even more impressive. It became, like, the highest-rated game for quite some time. It won a ton of awards. Um, like it won Dice's Immersive Reality Game of the Year, Game Developers Choice Awards, et cetera, et cetera, in 2019. Facebook actually bought out the studio. So now um, it's a subsidiary of Oculus and Meta, I guess. So yeah, as we mentioned, um, you know, they added a bunch of songs via song packs for licensed uh, musicians. Uh, they have Panic at the Disco, Green Day, Timbaland, Linkin Park, uh, BTS, Lady Gaga, Billie Eilish, and uh, a couple of other bands. And uh, very recently, um, as of recording, Beat Saber just announced that they're adding a new type of block into the game for the very first time. It's unknown what the block is, but it might be kind of like uh, forcing players to kind of swing their arm with the movement because it's kind of like a slice. But yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, If you have uh, Quest 2, definitely give it a try with the app. Very recently, they added um, AR enhancement uh, so that you can actually film yourself recording it and it will like overlay the game. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can record really cool gameplay videos with it and be be really cool. Be the best Beat Saber player on the planet. Beat up the beat, baby. Uh, I think this episode is kind of already getting too long. So I really want to talk about Niantic and Pokemon Go and Ingress, but I think that's going to have to be safe for the next season. This is going to be our, our <laughs> longest running series of all time. But it's kind of funny because you're, you're way more active than I am in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But the important thing is that you're trying. You're putting yourself out there and, uh, and moving around. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBentendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, 
We hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early, ad-free episodes. These people include Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Harrison, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Shala, Sandra L., Brandon Honnebarger, Sean Marafini, and Nick Callis. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.